This is Battleground, and today is Thursday, August the 13th, and we are joined by a very special guest this morning, and uh, that guest happens to be Martin Schwartz, one of the greatest recruiters in the history of the world, or at least in modern time, anyways. Um, Martin, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Um, tell us about a little bit about you, what you do, how did you get to be the number one recruit in the world? And then I'm going to ask you some questions about the economy, jobs. Obviously, it's in in this artificial recession and how we're going to get us back. Great. Excellent. Thanks, Ivan. Um, yes, this is um, it's the only job I've had in 20 years. Uh, we were a part of an organization, MRI, for about uh, uh, the first 10 years. We had about 4,000 recruiters and, you know, it's like anything else, hard work and attitude, right? So um, living in South Florida my whole life. Uh, went to law school, got my MBA, um, and, you know, I took the bar, failed the bar, and I said, well, got to find something to do. 20 years later, here we are. Amazing, amazing. Hey, Martin, so we're in this artificial recession um, before this COVID and this uh, fake artificial recession. Um, the president brought us from one of the most dismal economies to the greatest economy in the world, one of the greatest economies in the history of the United States, one of the lowest unemployments ever, lowest unemployment for Hispanics, for African-Americans, for Asians, for women, uh, you know, the highest uh, labor force participation rate in over 50 years. Now we're here, we're starting to see a recovery. We brought back somewhere around 9 million jobs. We still have probably another 30 million to go from, uh, from, I guess, from where we were before, how do we come back? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting point. And, you know, my entire life, I was actually a registered independent. I know. Um, I so that. for me, I, I always wanted a non-politician to come in and run things like a business. Um, so for the last few years, it has been good. The economy was great. Uh, the market was fantastic. Um, on what I do is we place salespeople at AnswerQuest Technologies, which is AnswerQuestIT.com. Um, and all we do is place salespeople and sales engineers at software companies around the country. And the unemployment rate for the technology world was probably less than 1%. Wow. wow. Right. For salespeople, uh, you almost had to suck to not have a job. <laughs> and if you suck, you had a job. You just didn't make much money. Right. Um, but the economy was great. It's fantastic. It was fantastic. I'd never seen anything like it. Um, and pretty much anybody will tell you that, um, you know, you don't have to be a genius to figure out, you know, and, and the regulation part was a huge thing for me. Um, you know, the taxes as well. So, um, I think it's a major difference. Um, and not just from the last, but any, uh, administration, I mean, everything starts at the top. It's all about leadership. And when you have a business minded person, and you could take out all the white noise and all the other nonsense that people complain about all the time. But the reality is from a business standpoint, um, it was great. And I'm a black and white bottom line person. And to me, everybody was good and everybody was happy and everybody was doing well. You almost had to try to be unemployed. Yeah. Um, so the economy was great. And look, the reality is a few months ago, um, it, it just, uh, you know, it hit, it happened. Um, but I think we're in a much better situation as someone that has a wife and, and three daughters um, that all go to a Jewish school. And I'm all for opening up the schools, no doubt, because, you know, kids, it's, it's just not a big deal. Um, and, you know, 330 million people in the country, we just can't sit here on day 150 on the 15 days to slow the spread and just sit here forever and do nothing. It's just not feasible. It's not plausible. Um, I know people, we all know people that are out of work, lost jobs, bankrupt, lost business. It's terrible. It's absolutely horrendous. Uh, but imagine what it would have been. I remember sitting back and we heard, right, 100 to 240,000 were the least amount of deaths that we would have. That's what we were told at the way beginning, assuming that we did all that distancing and all that other nonsense. So we were told from the way beginning would be that to maybe 2.2 million at the highest. Yep. So right now we're basically at the lowest point. Yep. People forget what we were told. So just imagine if we didn't stop travel to China, to Europe and to other areas where we would be. So, um, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter who was president, who was in charge, because, you know, if you had a different situation, you probably would had not have stopped the travel and you would have been much worse. So, um, you know, it is what it is. The, you know, China virus is a problem, but we are back. 
and it is better and things are getting better every day. You just, there's no, there's uncertainty. So you just don't know what the future is going to be. And that's part of the challenge and part of the problem. But if someone would have told you the stock market will be up 54% since March, you know, you would have lost your mind and said, no way. That's exactly right, Martin. And here's the, uh, here's a challenge. So we're, we're, we're throwing all this money at the situation to try and uh, keep the economy and the American people from falling off a cliff, right? Um, there are some people that are saying we need to dump a lot more money or dump as much as we need to, to bring it back. Uh, there's another school that says, just open the damn economy up. Let's get everybody back to work. Let's make this, let's make this the greatest country again, the strongest economy like we were before this pandemic and, uh, and just make it happen, right? We look at the numbers, like you said, 99.7% survival rate, right? So it's less than the flu. So well, if you actually think about it, it's, we're talking it's about actually skewed more than that. I mean, yeah. we're in Florida where, you know, the average age of death is 79 in yeah. general, and the average age of person that's died is 79.7. And we have three children that have died in the entire state out of 5 million children over the last five months. So every two months, a child dies, and all three had pre-existing conditions, unfortunately. Um, but we can't shut down a 22 million person state like the state of Florida when the average age of death is higher than the average age of death from other causes. I mean, look, you don't have to be a genius to figure this out. And it's not even a political thing. It's just a factual thing. You have a greater chance of dying if you're under the age of 50 in a car accident. That's right. That's well, just a fact. That's what it is. You have a greater chance um, of crossing the street than by COVID. So that, that's reality. Hey, Mark, your question. How do, how do how, how, if you have been impacted by this shutdown, what do you do? What's your advice as one of the top recruiters in the world? What would you tell people that are out there looking for a gig right now? Well, look, first of all, you have to, you have to be different. You have to stand out. You have to do something different. Um, I remember at the age of 15 when the, when the Marlins announced they were getting a baseball team and I was a huge baseball fan. Um, and I said, I got to work for them somehow, some way. So I took the biggest box I could find the size of like a refrigerator, right? Uh, I took a box and I threw in a little letter or sort of quasi resume in there, but I'm a high school student. So what do I know? I didn't really have a resume, but I wrote a letter to the, at that time, Florida Marlins. And I sent in a box the size of a freaking refrigerator. Um, and I knew they'd read it. You had to stand out. You had to be different, right? Think about the mail. You get a million letters a day. So to me, you have to stand out. You have to be different. Um, whether you send in a video clip um, or, you know, you have to be persistent. You have to be assertive. You have to be aggressive. You have to go get it. You have to call everybody, you know, you have to do whatever you can. But at the end of the day, um, you know, life is and should be about merit, should be about success, should be about accomplishments. Um, and you really need to go out there and, and you need to show that and you need to be persistent with people and, and go after it. I mean, I can only speak for salespeople and salespeople, look, they, they drive things, they drive businesses, they drive companies, they drive the economy. So you'll always need great salespeople. Um, but you know, it's all about attitude, it's all about effort. And that's a big thing, but you gotta stand out. You gotta be different. You can't just send a sample resume. You can't just uh, you know, send someone an email once a week. You gotta be relentless. You got to be after it. I remember when you introduced me five years ago to Corey Lewandowski. Yep. Um, you did. And I'll never forget that you said, Martin, he's busy. And I called him, left a couple messages. And I said to you, and I, I don't know if yeah, you remember I this, Ivan, but really, times, right? <laughs> I said to you, I said, you know, I called him a few times. The guy's about it. You're like, just call him, call him 20 times a day if you need to. And I did. I literally called him and I blew up his phone literally 15, 20 times a day for several days. Yep. And I finally got him. He goes, look, I got seconds. You got to get down here. I go, what do you mean? Where are you? He goes, I'm at the Trump Hotel in Doral. I said, I'll be there in 20 minutes. And I was there in 20 minutes. Yep like flip-flops and a t-shirt, yep. not even kidding. So you have to be persin persistent, you have to go out there. And, and about fear. that, you got to meet the president of the United States, right, so. Right, at his first, um, at the first rally here at Doral in September of 2015, correct? That's right. Um, but you have to be persistent, you have to stand out, you have to be different, you have to do whatever you can to make it happen. And like anything in life, um, you know, there's no excuses, you gotta just make things happen, you gotta adjust, you gotta, you, got, you just got to go, but you know, the impact is terrible. The impact is terrible psychologically, mentally, emotionally. It's hard from people that have any kind of addiction or abuse problems to people that are out of work, that are losing money, whatever the case is, it's tough. It's a problem. It's a challenge. You know, no one can go anywhere. You can't really do too much, right? I'm big and going to ball games and, um, you know, going to events and different things. And it's, it's, you know, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, my kids are all in high school age 
But I imagine if you have kids that are five, seven, 10 years old, it's a real challenge. Um, and you have to open up the schools. You have to open up business and you have to let things go. Um, this isn't uh, you know, a country of 7 million people. We have 330 million people and you have to go out there and you have to get things back um, or you're gonna have a real, real problem. I mean, we're already 27 trillion in debt. I mean, it's crazy. It's absolutely insane, man. And uh, quick, uh, another question that I wanted to follow up on this is what makes you stick out, right? So when hiring managers, we have a lot of executives, a lot of leadership people that follow the podcast. Why would they want to, what, why would they want to talk to Martin Schwartz? What makes you special getting talent versus their own HR departments or LinkedIn or whatever the hell is out there? What makes you so special? Why, why do these, all these companies go, go look for you? I don't, you know, cause obviously they're looking for you or else you wouldn't be placing anybody. Right. So what makes you different? Well, it's a network, it's relationships, it's knowing where to go. It's doing it fast. It's doing it efficiently. It's doing it quickly. It's going out there and it's knowing who the best people are and bringing them because you want to repeat business. You want to repeat clients like anything in life. You really need to make an impact, make a lasting impact. And you know what they say, heroes are remembered, but legends never die right? Great, great quote from uh, the Sandlot. And um, that's the truth. You got to stand out. You got to be different. Um, I, I think you got to laugh. You got to engage. You got to have fun. You got to talk to people like people, whether it's the president of the United States, whether it's Michael Jordan or, um, you know, whoever it might be, you know, they all put their clothes on the same way we do. They are regular people. And I think you need to just, you know, treat people with respect and you got to do the right thing and, and treat, talk to people like people, not, not like robots. And um, just relate to them on whatever the level um, it is. And I think you got to talk in other people's terms and interests and what interests them, what's important to them. It's all about relationships. It's all about, you know, being resilient, being resourceful and, you know, sticking on top of things and and making things happen. Um, You just don't want to sit around. That's right. Hey, uh, you know, talking about Corey, uh, I, I think he's going to be on the show tomorrow. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll remind him of that, uh, of that story. Uh, I had totally forgotten about that. Uh, yeah, know. it is a good story. And I'll tell you, you know, it's, I, and I told him the same thing. The only thing that I am disappointed in Trump is the fact that he's not aggressive, assertive enough, and he needs to step it up another level. So you could leave him, you could leave him with, uh, with that tip. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and another guy I think I introduced you to was uh, Caputo, right? Mike. Um, uh, Mike, as you know, is uh, over at HHS. He is a, uh, a just a true stod, man. Uh, he's doing a great job trying to clean the mess up over there with all the fake news, fake reporting of the numbers and the data and, and, and everything coming out of there. Unfortunately, he's a Bills fan. That's, uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, hey, um, next question, man. Uh, Kamala Harris, what do you think? Good, bad, indifferent? Sucks. Look, I think the, the reality is this. You could, Again, you could take all the white noise and throw it away. You're either kind of a capitalistic type mindset and person, or you're more in that socialism type, type vein. I mean, that's just what it is, right? I'm not about you know, free healthcare for anybody, free education for anybody, free anything. I worked my ass off. No one ever gave me anything. No one paid for me to go to college. No one paid for my kids to do whatever. And it's just a mindset. I mean, you're either believing a capitalistic type mindset or a socialistic type mindset. Um, I don't know. I saw something where she was the, you know, 100th most liberal senator for whatever that's worth. But but it doesn't even matter. Or the um, it doesn't Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth yeah, Warren. It, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't make a difference. Uh, the reality is, no matter who's there or who's not there. And you know, it doesn't even matter for whether it's Trump or Romney or McCain or anybody, you either believe in a capitalistic type mindset, you know, police are important um, or, or you just, or you don't, and you know, what you allow will continue and, and the behavior you expect will be, be the behavior you get. And that's just the reality of it. And you believe in a capitalistic mindset or a socialistic type mindset, and we'll see what people decide and what they do. But um, you know, it's, it doesn't even matter who's running. It's just a different way of approaching life and how you view things and, and what's important to you or, or what's not. All the other stuff is white noise and all the other stuff is, you know, just not that important. I, I'm kind of a big picture person. I focus on really important things. You know, little things are not, um, you know, that big of a deal. But when you're talking law, you're talking, you know, economy, you're talking business, you're talking, you know, 
if I go to a doctor and he's the best surgeon in the world, I don't care if the guy's the biggest prick on the planet. You know, I've told my wife, wife this in the past. You know, she, I remember she went to someone one time. She's like, hey, wasn't that nice? I go, who, who cares? Who gives a shit? I mean, the bottom line is I'm all about success and making things happen. And, and that's the way I look at it. All the other stuff I can kind of wipe out or compartmentalize. And it's not that big of a deal to me. At the end of the day, I want a capitalistic environment in society where you get paid for what you do. You put the effort and energy in and what you put into it is what you'll get out of it. And, um, you know, that's, that's the most important thing for me. Everything else, it, it just doesn't even really matter or compute because if you don't have that, you kind of don't have much. Yep. That's excellent, man. I, we're almost out of time, uh, Martin. So I wanted to ask you a final question. Uh, and you brought it up earlier. You used to be an independent, very apolitical, didn't engage in politics before. Now, uh, and as of uh, several years ago, you have been a very staunch supporter of the president. Uh, obviously, he appreciates your support like, uh, like everybody else's. Um, what made that change and why? Why um, well, has the Jewish vote not come over as much as you have? Or do you think it has and they're just being silent about it? Well, people are just stubborn. You know, they're just stubborn. And they, and they just do what they're told, basically. Um, you're just not going to change too much of that, to be honest with you, sadly. Um, but to me, I just want a business person. You know, if he ran as a Democrat, I think all their policies would have been different, honestly, and I would have voted for him um, because he would have moved things in the right direction in a different direction, uh, which is why I supported Ross Perot. Um, I don't want politicians. I'm a business person and I'm a salesperson and I'm a go-getter. And I want somebody who takes all the red tape, regulations, bullshit, bullshit, bureaucracy out of whatever we do. Uh, it's just not for me. So I know a lot of people that voted for him four years ago, and now more people are going to vote for him simply because, you know, they see what's gone on. But um, look, it's 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 unfortunate. You know, my wife teaches and my teaches. She works in a Jewish school for the last twelve years. My kids all go there, um, and it's unfortunate. I mean, it just it's it saddens me to some degree, to be honest with you. Um, but you know, look what they've done. They just announced a peace deal. They just announced a peace deal about a half an hour ago between Israel and the Middle East. There's no way in hell anyone ever thought you would have ever seen that in your lifetime. There's just no way. Half an hour ago, they just announced this. Are you kidding me? Um, so again, I'm all about execution and getting things done, not a lot of talking. And you know, if you didn't get resistance from the other side 24 seven, it's amazing where this country would be and where we would be. Um, but again, you know, if he would have ran as an independent, that would have been fine too. But uh, again, it has nothing to do with politics. I just want business people, people that execute, people that make things happen, people that get shit done. And that's just what I want. I want the best doctor. I don't give a crap if that guy looks at me and says, go fuck yourself. Yeah. I want the best people. I want the lawyer who is the best attorney. I care about people that are great at what they do. Um, but you gotta be thick skinned. You gotta be resilient. You gotta dust things off and you can't let little things bother you. Um, so what if someone's not nice? He doesn't do this, they don't do that. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, what do people want? They want safety. They want good education. They want the ability to succeed in life and um, with as little restrictions as possible. And I don't think that's anything crazy that I'm saying or I'm suggesting. Um, and I think it's pretty, you know, pretty how pretty American, pretty how I grew up, pretty how people, pretty much how people I knew grew up. And, um, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, some of the things that we've allowed and tolerated just in society, um, those are just not things that, you know, I'm a big part of, a, you know, if it's good for one, it's good for the other. If it's not good for one, it's not good for the other. So just don't be hypocritical. Do what you say, say what you do, or at least try to as best as you can. And, um, you know, what's right for one needs to be right for the other. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Martin Schwartz. Martin, thanks for being on the show, man. Where can people contact you? Where do they find you? So Martin at answerquest.it.com. Um, the answer quest is answer quest. The website is answerquestit.com or through any social media area you can What's find us. Twitter? What's your Twitter? So Martin J. Schwartz. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for being on the show again. And don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back with more Battleground. Hey, by the way, have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me tell you. Let me explain. Let me tell you how it works. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. 
Anchor will distribute your podcast directly. It'll be heard on Spotify, Apple, and just about every other platform out there. So it's very, very easy to use, very user-friendly. And best of all, it lets you monetize that. So everything you need is all in one place. All you have to do is download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is Battleground, and we're back. We are 82 days away from the election, and to talk about that, we have uh, one of the uh, great, great voices in, uh, in, I guess, in politics, this organization that, um, I guess, monitors media bias from MRC, Jorge Bonilla. Welcome to the show, Jorge. Thank you so much, Ivan. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here today. So a lot of people know MRC, um, right. but I guess a lot of people really don't, right? Um, what exactly does MRC do? So I've had your, your, your predecessor on before on, on English and Spanish, right? But, uh, you know, attention span, man. So let us know. So look, the Media Research Center was founded in 87, as we know, by Brent Bozell, among others, uh, to basically, def- in a nutshell, defend freedom by, by fighting for uh, accuracy and, and, and fairness in media. And in 2014, we, st- and of course, uh, an offshoot of the Media Research Center is the Newsbusters blog, which if you're familiar with that, and Newsbusters and how we cover CNN, ABC, fake NBC, news, news, CNN. all the fake, fake news, right? Yeah. But in 2014, we launched MRC Latino. And the purpose of MRC Latino is to bring that same focus upon Spanish language media, which many people don't know, but is much worse, is much more biased and much more oriented towards what we would call fake news than is regular Anglophone, what we call the mainstream media. So we look at Univision, we look at Telemundo, CNN in Espanol, Estrella TV, all with the purpose of championing freedom uh, in terms of via the news coverage that is given to the Hispanic community. And what we've seen, Ivan, has been terrible. We did a, uh, our initial study uh, when we launched close to six years ago, showed that, that the news coverage was, had a slight liberal skew, and I'd say it was about 55% liberal um, versus 45% conservative. But in the course of five years, the media has gotten much, much more liberal in Spanish language media. Just as Trump broke the media, the mainstream media, so too did he break Spanish language media even harder. And the bias is 70%. It was 70% in that case. It's probably worse now. Hey, let me um, pause you. Let me pause you right sure, there. Sure. Let me pause you right there on that number. Sure, sure. Because I'm glad you brought that up. So when Trump first took office, right, after his inauguration, and that first year... It was insane, right? Uh, it was so bad that former President Jimmy Carter, the, the, the you know, epitome of liberalism, um, you know, until Obama, you know, came out and said that, you know, he, he thought it was despicable or disgusting or he'd never seen anything like that. We saw Harris, uh, what was it, a uh, Harvard Marist poll that showed that over 90% of the coverage was, was, uh, was negative towards Trump. So, right. you know, and, and we've seen that every year since, you know, 92, 94, 90s. You know, but, but above 90, and you're saying that you guys are, are seeing in the 70s. Well, in, in the 70s, no. Well, in the 70s is just in general, whether it's a Trump story or not. Okay, gotcha. It's, it's 70% liberal bias. They could be talking about a dog with a sign over its head in some street corner. That story is going to have a 70% liberal bias to it. Trump is, is, you know, Trump coverage is almost 100% negative. Yep. And it's been that way ever since he got on the gilded escalator at Trump Tower and went down the staircase and made that speech, that speech uh, Spanish language media went absolutely nuts. And it's been that way ever since. He broke Univision, he broke Telemundo, he broke CNN, in Espanol and in English. Yeah. And, and the evidence of that is, is still reverberating today. That's right. And you know what? And that, and that goes to a great, to a great point, right? That, that brings us to a great point, Jorge. And, 
you know, and, and what people don't, what people don't get and don't understand that I, and, and I have to explain this to, to our English speaking friends, right? Is that in English, we get the Wall Street Journal somewhat, and we get Fox News somewhat. Right. Somewhat. Right? And then you get some of the over the top, like Blaze TV, Newsmax, you know, OAN, et cetera. Um, but, you know, everything else is liberal. In Spanish, there is only liberal and that's it. There's nothing else. And that, that was what drove me to create, you know, a show, which we created last year in January called Batalla Politica. You know, we, we had an agreement, a JV with, uh, with a channel. And we took it, you know, to number one on Sundays. And then after four weeks and then number one on their network, after seven weeks, we ran the proof of concept five months. And then we, then we pulled out because it was cost, it was, it, you know, it, it was costing us money. Right. Um, and, and then we've launched, you know, two other shows, one of them being Battleground. And both of them come back to the TV screen after Labor Day. But we're having fun with this podcast. And that's why. That's why I wanted to bring you on, right? Because it's so important to talk about that because people don't get it. The importance of an organization like MRC Latino, because there is no, there is no counterbalance. There is no Fox. There is There's no nothing. News. There's no nothing in Spanish. It There's is nothing, Ivan. left-wing socialist radicalism, anti-Trump propaganda machine. That's, all, that's it. I'll, I'll go you even one further. Just, just to, to, to fill in on that historic comparison, Yep. that you started making when the media research center was founded back in 87 all the only game in town was abc cbs nbc for news that was it like you said there was a wall street journal maybe that was it the following year rush limbaugh syndicated nationwide yep. so we didn't even have talk radio then but rush limbaugh came along and then eight years after fox news came along yep. and that now look at where we are some 33 years later. But when you look at, at the Spanish-speaking landscape, we're still at that phase where there's no Rush Limbaugh, there's no Fox News, there's no OAN, there's no new, there's no nothing. Well, I'm, there's nothing. I'm Spanish Rush, man. That's how I right. that's how I call myself. In, in terms, yes. So in terms of national syndication, thank God yep. we got patriots like you and, and others um, who are emerging in, in, in some of our most important Hispanic markets, but in terms of news, cable TV, news delivery, or over-the-air news yep. delivery, yep. we're still where the mainstream media was back in 87, where there was no counterweight to ABC, CBS, or? NBC. Why I'm, is that? Why? It's, it's, it's for a lot of reasons. Well, first of all, because Univision has such a big monopoly in terms of ratings, in terms of, of market presence. So I think people are afraid of that. I think that within the right, we may have spooked people into investing in, this is my personal opinion, into sure. some of these outlets. If, if we think, this is wrong think, by the way, this is not uh, by any means a correct idea, but on the right, I think we have been so conditioned to believe that Hispanics are predisposed to be liberal, that Hispanics are predisposed to vote for Democrats, that there is a, there may be a reluctance to invest in in media that that counterbalances those ways of thinking and so that's why i don't think uh you know we i don't think that's why i don't think we've seen yet uh a fox news in spanish for example or or some conservative alternative in spanish they are emerging now like you know there's there's batalla there's battleground there's there's some other and there's like i said there's other patriots that are they're emerging and doing their thing but on on a national big corporate scale i think that that's why we haven't seen that yet well i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, share something with you that uh that i haven't shared publicly yet so our second spanish show that we launched last year in the fall that we've been playing around with la politica de washington dc has been uh picked up uh verbally we are uh in final rounds of negotiation in the lawyering piece but it's going to get picked up by a major uh, Hispanic network and it's going to be nationally syndicated on AT&T and Fios. Uh, so we're pretty excited about that. We're coming oh, back. Fantastic. And uh, we're going to make some noise, man. And, uh, and I want to make sure that I can count on you for that first episode because I think it's going to be impactful. It makes um, a lot of sense. And we got to talk about why that's important. 
Right. I'm in, brother. That sounds like some major progress, and I'll tell you well, what, I'm in. I'm in. It is. It has cost uh, sweat, blood, and tears, brother. But uh, you know, we 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 got there. So you know, so going back to that, there there is plenty of capital on our side, right? On the Hispanic side and on the right of center side, plenty of capital. Why wouldn't they see an opportunity to fund the network? I mean, there's plenty of money out there. You, you saw, you know, and, and just to prove a concept that I ran, right? Um, how having a show that was balanced, not even right of center, that was just balanced, one Democrat, one Republican, shot up all the way to number one for Sundays and all the way to number seven. I mean, we were beating, um, you know, Choque Opiniones, three to one, two to one, sometimes six to one, you know, on a head to head, you know, and that was CNN Español. Um, so obviously there's an appetite, a tremendous appetite for that. Why doesn't the money follow? That, that, that is something that really worries me, right? Because we're just giving up that entire, you know, that, that entire, uh, chunk or that entire segment to, to, you know, to the left to do whatever the hell they want. I agree. And well, part of it, I think, is that we've, we have fallen, and even conservatives have fallen into this trap that Hispanics or Latinos, which I don't even like those terms, yeah. but they, they've fallen into that trap that, that Hispanics are a monolith. Yeah. And that Hispanics are a monolith and that immigration is the topmost policy piece that Hispanics care about. And therefore, if we're not going to pander them on immigration, then why engage them at all? And I think what we're beginning to see is that, and, and this is, again, in, in many ways, the, the Trump campaign is sort of breaking ground here um, on, on, on the right side of the fence um, in terms of doing micro-targeted advertising to certain Hispanic communities. We saw that, for example, with the Goya, with the Goya ad that, that, that the Trump campaign cut. And they cut it. They cut one for they cut one version for the Cuban American market in Miami, they cut one version for Puerto Ricans, which are all over the country, and they cut one for the Mexican American uh, population. And we're just now starting to see the the right sort of become aware of of that market fragmentation. I think that as as the right continues to evolve in how you see Hispanics and how you market Hispanics. That, that people may realize that, look, the Hispanics are not a monolith. There are ways in which we can engage. There are ways in which we can reach this audience. And that is so important, Ivan, because mar elections have become margin elections. When you look at the Electoral College game, you, 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 these, these few voters in Wisconsin might make a difference. These chess. few voters... Chess game. Yeah, it's a chess game. Yep. It's a chess game. How, how do I get... These few Hispanics in places like Wisconsin, in places right. like Pennsylvania, in places like Florida, right? And, and that's how you do it. And I think as the right continues to wake up to that, um, I think you'll see more of that. And this presidential election, I think, will, 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 will be like a shot of coffee that, that will force people to wake up. Yeah. And, uh, and see some be, of that. Uh, like our Cuban friends say, una coladita, una coladita, those Cuban shots, man. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a w big wake up call. Look, hey Jorge, I believe something, and and I don't know if I've coined this term, but I'm coining it anyways. You know, I'm definitely taking credit for it, even if it's not mine. <laughs> you know, but you know, I think there's gonna be a big surprise November. I think there's gonna be a big wake up call to the left and to the American people that the silent minority, not the silent majority, but the silent minority, are gonna make themselves heard this November in favor of President Trump. Uh, they believe that this administration has done more great things for minorities than any other administration before them. Uh, we had the best economy, best unemployment, highest uh, labor force participation rate, lowest unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanics, Asians, women. I talked to so many people that were anti-Trump in 16 that privately tell me I'm voting for the president. I don't give a shit what he does, what he says, or anything that anybody says, I know that it's all fake news. It is all bullshit. I'm supporting this guy. People tell me that privately all day long. And amazing, I'll tell you a quick story. I was in, um, 
at a big supermarket. I'll give you, I'll, I'll give the supermarket a plug because I think they're a great, great uh, food chain. Mega Mart in, uh, in, in Maryland, you know, the, the, the Latin supermarket, they're all over, uh, I don't know how, I think they have like 12, 15 supermarkets around the, the DC area. But anyways, but we, but we go there, you know, to buy some, some, some uh, Peruvian products. Um, and anyways, great, great store. And on 4th of July, I was wearing, you know, my uh, Trump uh, Keep America Great again, uh, Keep America Great uh, t-shirt. And I had to go buy Mega Mart to go buy something that we had forgotten before going to a barbecue. And I walk in there and I notice everybody looking at me and I was like, oh shit, I have this Trump shirt on. You know, this is going to get me in trouble now, you know? And, you know, and it didn't. And it didn't. It was very surprising. People would come up tap me on the shoulder and they would put a thumbs up like right next to their chest. So people wouldn't see, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and a lot of people, I got to tell you over 50% of the people were, uh, were supportive of me wearing that shirt. The other, the other half didn't really say anything or didn't even give me bad looks. That is a huge indicator that this, that this president has been able to really, make an impact on our community they have felt the, they have felt the the uh the policies they have felt the success and i think you know regardless of how they feel about him personally or what they think about his tweets they like his policies and i think they're going to come out and vote for him the the silent minority is a great term ivan i have never heard anyone use it before and i'm totally going to try and steal it off of you because it's, oh, no, no, it's no, that you good. gotta give me credit <laughs> is that good no, I'll give you some credit, but I'm still going to steal it. But I'll give you credit. Oh, but it's a great, absolutely. but it's a great term. Well, that's what but, it is, right. That's what it is. And, and but and yeah, talking yeah. to African Americans, they're saying the same thing. We had, uh, you know, we had Shay Hawkins yesterday, who's running for uh, running for uh, for a state state representative in Ohio, former staffer Tim Scott. He's telling right. the same thing is happening with the African American community. The same. The, there's a lot, and I see I see a lot of that down here in Florida where. Where folks, it's like you said, you described folks who did not support the president in 2016 or were leery of him. Um, you know, now there's been a track record on economic policy, um, on advancing life. You know, there's within that silent minority, I have to say, within that silent minority are many Hispanic Catholics and evangelicals who, and this doesn't get reported in Spanish language media because it's a very inconvenient narrative, but very inconvenient um, truth, right? It, it is, it is. Yeah. But the fact that, that there are many people who saw Obama, the Obama administration as a persecutor of the church, as a persecutor of the faith, that was the same government that tried to, to, to get the little sisters of the poor to, to buy contraceptives, to force, uh, religious institutions and, and religious schools to hire people that maybe didn't live within that church's doctrine. And there are a lot of people who see that and who are upset by that and, and who appreciate that Trump tried to reverse that and, and reverse some of those policies. So that's going to show up uh, in the ballot box as well. There's a lot of Hispanics, like I said, for yeah. whom immigration is not the topmost policy issue. And on not, not just on matters of economic policy, because there was, this is something else that went underreported within Hispanic media. There was an economic miracle happening within the Hispanic community before this, this coronavirus hit. But, you know, there, there's a lot of people that are pro-life, pro-faith, pro-family that, that did not appreciate what went on in the years preceding Donald Trump that saw some of those reversals with Trump. And not only that, but they also saw how Spanish language media covered those things and, and are very upset by that. And I think you're going to see some surprises as a result of that in November. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, one, one of the things, you know, I used to always say is, you know, Obama was the bathroom president, right? He was more, more worried about bathrooms than you know, economic policy and, and yeah. getting America's back to work. And, you know, and another, another point that, um, that, that, that our community, Hispanic community has, has, you know, what was really impacted is we saw real wage increase for the first time in 10 years. Most of that really impacted the Hispanic Latino community. And, you know, I think they appreciate that. And regardless of what anybody says, um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to come out and, and, and really support this administration. 
And uh, <laughs> and I think it's going to be a big wake up call for for the left, and and hopefully that'll that'll pull, put the end and pull the plug and and take them off life support on on this Marxist agenda, which is just insane, you know. Well, the Marxist that that's like a zombie that that always comes back every so often. So you know, uh, liberty. What Ronald Reagan say that that freedom was always just the next election, or, or it's never more than an election or a generation away. Um, and now you, you sort of have this ascendancy and what we see, and especially now with, with Kamala Harris being, being put on the ticket, we see, and this is how it's interesting how the media are covering this because in 2008, they covered the hope and change. Now we see a sort of a reversion to that. Uh, You hear a lot of historic and a lot of sort of the same things that we heard when Obama ran for president, it's interesting that Biden is in the middle of, of both of those campaigns. First of all, by, by lending credibility to Obama's presidential run, and now by helping bring up uh, Kamala Harris. But we see the same playbook being rolled out again and in, in terms of what she brings to the table because she's such a question mark on, on so many things, but is shown to be herself a totalitarian on so many others. Yep. It's never, it, it, and already they're they're depicting her. No matter what happens, they're already depicting her as a front runner for twenty twenty four. It's it's never that 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 Marxism thing is never a zombie that you can just yeah. Put your yeah. Rest. I mean, I wish it was right that we could put a stake right through it and uh, and, and I'd like to. And I'd like to hell, right and send it to hell forever. But quick question, and I wanted to touch this because I know you're, uh, you know, um, so here here's. Here's where there's a lot of confusion, and I'd love for you to explain that, right? And right. you're obviously American, but you're Puerto Rican, right? So what, what does that mean? Because people, a lot of people don't understand that Puerto Ricans are Americans, you know? And how do you, when you say, well, he's Puerto Rican, well, he's American. Uh, or do you say Puerto Rican-American? I mean, how, how do you, first of all, what is the proper way to identify that group? And then second, my follow-up question to that is, Puerto Ricans have typically voted Democrat. How do you see that vote going? Because that's going to be a big vote. They're, they're all along the I-4 corridor in Florida, as, as we know. Right. Um, that could be a game changer for, for, for the election. Um, I mean, go. <laughs> well, there's, oh my goodness, where do I start? Well, yeah. Puerto Rico was, uh, used to belong to Spain and got ceded to the United States after the Spanish-American War of 1898, where the U.S. picked up Puerto Rico, Cuba, and the Philippines. Cuba and the Philippines got spun off, ultimately, and the U.S. kept Puerto Rico um, as as a forward base from which the United States could project power into South America and and better enforce the Monroe Doctrine. So that's that. Um, Citizenship became statutory uh, in 1917, when uh, the, the Congress passed the Jones-Shafroth Act, which um, basically, uh, it, it did two, t- two things. It made Puerto Rico bonds attractive to investors by uh, making them triple tax exempt, which means that if you bought invested bonds in Puerto Rico, you, you were exempt from paying city, state, or federal in- income taxes on those monies that you derive from those bonds. So there's that. And additionally, people who were thereafter born in Puerto Rico were born U.S. citizens. So it was a manner of birthright citizenship for those that were on the island, not quite a 14th Amendment kind of citizenship. Um, But from that point on, people who were born on the island were U.S. citizens. Um, Everybody that's born in Puerto Rico, so everybody understands. I know this, but yes, but so everybody understands. Everybody that's born in Puerto Rico is a U.S. citizen, right? Right. The the exception is they can't vote for president in Puerto Rico. They can only vote if they come and are on the mainland. Exactly. Um, Puerto Rico has a non-voting resident commissioner that gets sent to Congress every four years. They vote and they vote on presidential years for that. They vote for the, their entire government on presidential years. So there's that. Uh, but like you said, if a, if a person wants to relocate 
uh, to, to a state immediately. They can, they can then vote for president, vote for Congress. I was born in New York. So I'm, 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 I guess I'm what you would consider a birthright citizen. Um, Puerto Rico is in, as of right now, an unincorporated territory of the United States. It is not a state. It is some, it is like a, in a murky in between It's not place. a commonwealth either, right? It's, it's called a commonwealth by name, but it's not, but it's not a commonwealth as we would know it, uh, as is Virginia, for example. Not in that, it's just, it's just a fancy name. Like the U.S. Virgin of the, Islands. Yes. In terms of, in terms of what Puerto Rico is, it's a, it's an unincorporated territory where, um, some, they have some uh, rights under the Constitution, but not all. Yep. And that's something that is evolving because the courts have found that that doesn't really work. Um, and so that's something that's still ongoing. But the point is, yes, Puerto Ricans can be decisive in a presidential election. Um, I, they were decisive, I think, in Florida in 2012, yep. where Obama won by a very slim margin. But he carried uh, Puerto Ricans by 83 to 17. Yeah. Yeah. In 2016, Puerto Ricans did not quite turn out for Hillary Clinton. Um, and so Trump was able to pick up uh, a significant number of Puerto Rican votes. And that helped push him over the top in the state of Florida. And there are other states where there are significant Puerto Rican populations that we don't talk about, like Wisconsin, like Pennsylvania, like Texas. Um, and what you see... In, in 2020, I think, is you'll see, you'll see more of the same as people leave the island and, you know, fed up with, with corruption and government incompetence over there. They want to move to states that have a functioning government, that have a competent government, that are not where, where riddled does a, Where does debt. that Puerto Rican vote go 2020 in November? It's still, it's still going to, look, it's still going to lean Democrat. That's just it takes numbers to evolve and it takes time to evolve and as messaging goes, but what are the Democrats going to get what they need out of the Puerto Rican vote in Florida to win? I'm not certain of that. I am not certain of that. If you look at the 2018 midterm, um, we have a Senator Rick Scott because of the Puerto Rican vote because they turned out for him. We have a governor, Ron DeSantis, because of the Puerto Rican vote in the state of Florida. So and, and that was my point, right? Is, yes. Does that hold or does it expand or do we lose it? It's so far I haven't seen any any specific polling, but I I think at, at a bare minimum I think Trump holds. Awesome. At a at a bare minimum he holds. I think so too. I think so too. I I I believe that as well. Anyways then, so uh 2020 Quick predictions. I know you got to go. Oh man, it's it's a crazy year. I I still think uh, based on what I've seen and based on the underlying, does Kamala move the needle and push Joe Biden over the top? I don't think so. Um, she's just been rolled out. You know, it's been a day or two of a rollout, and already they're trying to build it up like like she's getting the hope and change treatment. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna hold as her record on criminal justice comes into play. Um, I think that's, that's going to expose her as, and even within, within the Latino community, she locked up a lot of Latinos in California yeah. and eventually that's going to come out. And when that comes out, I, she, I don't know that she will be able to, to respond. I mean, they're building her up like, Oh my God, she's, she's this huge deal, but she didn't even make it to Christmas when she was a presidential candidate. So there are some underlying reasons for that. Will she make up for Joe Biden's cognitive deficiency? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't see it. So when you factor those things and you factor in that that the unemployment claims are going down, that we're getting a handle on this, you know, as we get a handle on this coronavirus, as the fall comes around, kids want to go back to school. People want to go back to work. People do not want to be locked up forever. Right. I think that that will make a difference. And ultimately, I, I, I expect, at least from what I see, I expect the president will win again. Anything can happen between now and November, still 80-something days out. 
82. But 82. And like I do still think the fundamentals are We are in general quarters. We are in general quarters, man. <laughs> so, uh, so you're, yes, you're man your stations. Guy, right? You're a former Navy guy. You're appreciate Man your stations. Man your stations. That's right. That's Secure right. all hatches. Hey, Jorge, where do people find you? Where do people go? Where do they get more information on MRC? Where do they follow Jorge Bonilla? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BonillaJL. You can find us on MRC Latino. On Twitter, you can find us at MRC Latino. That's at MRC Latino on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. That's MRC Latino on Facebook. And you can find us on our website at MRC.org. That's, M I'm sorry, MRC Latino, MRCLatino.org. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, Jorge Bonilla. Thanks, Jorge. I appreciate for you coming on the show. And don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back. Welcome back. We don't like to finish our podcast without first thanking our sponsors and also thanking you for listening to us every week uh, and every day. Uh, please visit Hispanic Leadership Council at hlc.gop. We can't do it without our sponsors. Uh, they're working very, very hard on converting the Hispanic vote to the Republican Party. Also, Empower America Project, empower.org. Uh, great organization working to bring in all minorities into the Republican Party, converting us into a big tent and making sure we win some elections. If you've been on our page on uh, either Twitter or Facebook, you've seen some armored vehicles uh, that we like to use. Um, armorforrent.com. That's where you can find them. Those vehicles have been in movies. Uh, they were deployed during Katrina. Uh, they were used in the movie Predator and the movie Red Dawn. Really, really cool stuff. Paladin Operations Group, paladinoperations.com, full service security company, uh, anywhere from dignitaries, personal security to uh, sensitive infrastructure. Check them out. Great people. Another group we like to uh, we like to mention is OpportunityMattersFund.org. Opportunity Matters is led by Trey Gowdy. The guy's a stud. Check them out. Uh, they're doing a lot, a lot of great work. And finally, Battleground Group, uh, which is a media company, comms company, political strategy company. Um, check them out. If you need help, we're here. Thank you, and we'll see you tomorrow with some great guests. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.